Listeners, thank you for tuning into Art to Heart, where we delve into the creative minds of the artists in Fort Wayne area. I am your host, Mandy Goldman, and this podcast sheds light on the thoughts, feelings, and backgrounds of the artisans that bring pizzazz to Fort Wayne. Discover tips on being your most creative self and hear about upcoming events in the art community here. Today, I am sitting in the beautiful and historic Fillmore on Broadway to talk with my guest, Liz Monnier. Liz is the former artistic director and founding member of the Fort Wayne Dance Collective. I began working with Liz only about a year ago while putting together a performance for the Fort Wayne Dance Collective's touring company. As part of the touring company, we created an educational dance piece on outer space, which we performed at Fame Festival. We also had the opportunity to tour several schools around Northeast Indiana. Liz has been instrumental in helping me become a better mover and storyteller, and I'm excited to ask her some questions and allow you guys, the listeners, to have the chance to learn more about her. And I think, Liz, this is your first podcast. My first podcast. I'm so excited. Woo! The first <laughs> podcast. So let's take a line from The Sound of Music and start from the very beginning. Do you recall a particular moment in your childhood that led you to the career path of dance? Something that sparked your creativity and love for the art form? There's not one moment, but rather one person. Uh, my friend Jackie who was actually two years younger than I, and we grew up in grade school. She lived down the street from me. And she took dance classes, and I learned from her. So we would put on little plays in her bedroom and invite the neighbor kids to come up and pay a nickel to see our shows. And they were stories, and they were dances, and they were, I don't know what they were. I don't really remember, (laughs) but we played, and that was my first real performance experience. And after we moved away from that city, that was in Logansport, um, moved to Columbus, Indiana, and I begged and begged and begged my mother to give me dance classes. So it was the seventh grade when I finally got dance classes, and I was just thinking about the picture of me in sixth grade compared to me, the picture of me in seventh grade. You would not believe it was the same person because dance just changed who I was. And I wasn't particularly good at dancing. I really had no particular, you know, how they say, born to dance, you know. (laughs) Talented and, you know, a natural, that was not me. I had to work for everything I was able to do. And that led me to, um, dancing led me to singing and being in musicals and doing gymnastics and ice skating and lots of other uh, movement opportunities. And I, I was the fourth of four kids, and it was sort of understood that everybody should have their own thing that mm-hmm. was, you know, and one thing we were supposed to play an instrument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not me. Oops. <laughs> Clarinet, we didn't, and I didn't uh, really get along, but, but, you know, the instrument that I ended up playing was myself, was my body. Wow. So then 
from your childhood leading up to the dance collective, were you involved in the arts or were you into something else before the dance collective? I went to Indiana University and enrolled in the dance program there, so was dancing in Bloomington and uh, actually helped after I graduated. I was always a restaurant girl, you know, mm -hmm. so I stayed an extra couple of years in Bloomington and um, was a founding member of the Windfall Dancers in Bloomington, so that gave me kind of a understanding of how something starts. Um, I wasn't there very long, so other people took it over and I ended up in Fort Wayne. And when I got to Fort Wayne, um, I started working in a restaurant again. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, was trying to figure out where was the dance scene. And mm -hmm. I went to a couple of dance studios and just, you know, it was sort of like in the door, out the door, this isn't going to work. And I uh, worked, I was working at the YMCA, uh, coaching gymnastics of all things, and um, finally talked them into letting me offer a modern dance class in the basement. I, mean, I have like five kids. Mm. So I was doing that, and then the opportunity in 1978, uh, that was under Jimmy Carter administration, mm -hmm. and he started the CETA program. The CETA program paid artists to work, and so Rani Levy was an, a paid artist under CETA. She worked for the Women's Bureau, and so under that umbrella, she offered a three-week modern dance workshop at the Arch United Center um, studio. And that was like, oh my gosh, this is like a miracle. This is like a dream come true, right? So the teacher was Diane Elliott, who one of our studios mentioned. Uh, and the people that came to that workshop were the people that started the Fort Wayne Dance Collective. So, you know, the way it started was after those three weeks of like amazing, amazing, mm -hmm. oh, thank God, there's something here. And we, it ended, we're in the parking lot going, well, what's next? What are we going to do now? We can't just let all this energy be for nothing. And so we, there were five of us, and we said, let's make up a dance. That must have been one of the most inspirational workshops for you guys to get together yeah. and come up with this. So was the idea to start the organization Your Brainchild? Tell us about your role in the creation of the Fort Wayne Dance Collective and the implementation. Well, like I said, there were five of us, and the first performance, the performance of that work that we created, Women in Power, was performed at ArtLink Gallery, which had just opened. I mean, the late 70s was just like all this stuff was happening, you know, food co-ops and ArtLink art spaces and dance collectives and Fort Wayne Renaissance. It was an amazing <laughs> time. And so we thought, okay, well, we have to make money. That first thing is like, if we're going to keep going, we have to make money. And uh, in order to make money, we have to have a product. So we said so we need a school. So we, I mean, I can't, I don't know my role. My role was I was married to a man who was a lawyer. So that was my role, to work with my, <laughs> my then-husband to incorporate papers and things like that. Um, my role was, uh, have you ever heard of the color personalities that have colors and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Well, I was the blue personality, <laughs> which meant I was all about budgets and books and 
logistics and, you know, certainly love of the art and dancing, but Mm -hmm. how is this going to work? Who gets paid? How much do we get paid? Of course, nobody got paid for a long time. I don't even know why I said that. I, you know, uh, one person was good at publicity. One good person was good at finding, uh, you know, selling the product. And everybody had their own thing that they were good at. So we we truly wanted it to be a collective so that each of us had equal voice and there wasn't like one boss of everybody else. Of course, that led to some incredible fights and... <laughs> <laughs> Lots of meetings, lots and lots of meetings. And it was like, um, it's like a a newborn baby, you know. It's like there was uh, all these things that had to be considered from the get-go. And so, like I said, lots of meetings and a lot of growth right away. There was a lot of things happening really fast. So you were all just involved. Yeah, All dove in. That's great. So did you, you five... Mm-hmm. Did you ever think this just isn't going to work? We get I mean, give up now. We aren't making any money. <laughs> How it's will a, we ever make any money? Yeah, it's interesting. When we got our incorporation papers, in that packet was a piece of paper that said uh, dissolution papers. So it was saying, when you decide to dissolve your organization... <laughs> Here's the piece of paper that you'll fill out to send in to tell us that you failed. Great. And I looked at that paper and I thought, oh, my God, dissolution papers. And I just thought, I am never, ever going to fill out that form. Um, in fact, I kept that form all those years just to remind me. And I, I ripped it up at our 30th anniversary because I said, I'm not, I'm not, we're not going there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, yeah. We, I don't think there were many of the many many of us just were going to hang in there no matter what. Mm-hmm. That was me. Yeah. And there was a time though when we were like, oh, we need something to happen right away. And so we went to Ian Rowland, and we just said, you know, we're on this precipice, and we're either going to go the next step or we're going to have to. We're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he gave us five thousand dollars. And, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it made a huge difference at the moment mm-hmm. to pay the rent on a space, which was actually very expensive when we, when I look back for a place where we didn't have heat and we didn't have air conditioning and, you know. <laughs> it is special. what it is outside. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't think, um, I think we were all really motivated. I, for me, I was self-motivated because I wanted a life in dancing. That was it. Um. You know, I did, if you remember moments, there was a moment where before the dance collective started, I was, the YMCA sent me to a gymnastics conference in Anderson, Indiana. Mm -hmm. And I remember all these people being so excited about it. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, whatever. I'm here. Yeah, balance beam, whatever. (laughs) And I went upstairs and it was raining and pouring out. And I'm in this tiny little room. You know how wise are. And I'm looking out the window and I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is not my life. Mm-hmm. This is not what I want to do. I don't want to be coaching gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Am I being ridiculous? And I just thought, I'm done. And I went back and I quit. I quit the Y. And I just said, anything I'm doing right now, I'm moving towards dance. I don't care what. I'm just. I'm going to make my life in dance, and I'm just committed to it. 
That's great. You found your passion and lived it. At the collective, you've worn many hats. Um, I've seen you on the administration side. You write grants. You've created programming and classes. You teach. You performed. You direct. And I know you do a lot more things that I don't even know that you do. <laughs> Costume designer. Um, what has been your favorite hat to wear? Well, certainly doing all of the artwork part. I mean, teaching has been a wonderful experience. I learn a lot about the body and people and movement, and I love performing. I still love performing. And choreographing, i it's one of those for me now that I've, you know, I have done choreography for so many years that... Um, it's changed for me. I, I know that when I am asked, when I'm, when I am called upon to do it, when I'm called upon to choreograph, it's there. I don't particularly have that passion to do it anymore. I mean, like, think I remember saying, "Oh man, this piece! I've got this idea for this piece," and then I can go in and I can design it and direct it, and it's two sparks flying. And, that's, I can't, you know, forget that part and put this part in. Mm -hmm. And I remember all that juicy stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I, uh, I still have that in me, but I, it's not really my focus anymore. Mm -hmm. I, um, and I feel blessed that I was able to take all the experiences of my life, basically. Mm -hmm. When I look back at all the pieces I did, it was like, oh, yeah, I know. Heartbeats, that was that period of my life when I was really struggling with issues with men and la, la, la. And, <laughs> Oh, this is the part. Here's the dance I did after my dad died, and now I got that dance helped me get through this. And I, oh, this is uh, Daisy McGee. I remember that. It's when I was really starting to realize I was getting older, and I wrote this story about a woman who was still, um, she was older, but she was still a, a valuable resource for the community. And, you know, um, so I feel like, wow, my whole life is just a bunch of dances, you know. So the question is, what have, have I liked wearing? Uh, I've liked I've liked all of them truly. Uh -huh. um, I loved doing the books. Mm -hmm. um, it used a different part of my brain. I would say the thing I will not miss is meetings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sitting through meetings uh, just really pretty much done with that. Um, Bogs you down. Yeah, I just, ah. I love people, and, you know, I love meetings where it's just about sharing or whatever, but, mm -hmm. you know, coming up with whatever the next thing is, like, oh, mm. kill me first. Um, uh, video, I love editing video. Really? It's been a blast. The thing about video is that, especially when a guest artist comes mm -hmm. and this guest company performs, and it's there on stage, and then it's gone. Yeah, true. But when you get to edit the video, you get to see it over and over, yeah. and you can go back. And I remember this when Joe Good was here in 96, I think it was. The last five minutes was like I could watch that over and over, and I have. I have watched it over and over. Let me see just the last five minutes again where they go <gasps> on the floor, you know, and 
So um, that's given me an opportunity to really see a lot of really good dance. The editing. Through the lens of mm -hmm. the editor. A role I didn't even know you played, mm -hmm. editor. And so we talked about how as a creator and as a choreographer, you definitely have that part of you, but I wonder, is it, um, you, you do have these ideas that pop into your head, do you just have to go when you get those ideas, you have to run with it, or are you one of those creators who needs to set aside space and time to create? I have had both of those, both of those experiences. Uh, currently, I need time. And usually I uh, have to stew on it. I have to just immerse myself in what the project is about and sort through whatever junk is in the way mm -hmm. to, to see a clear um, path to what it is that's happening. Many times um, creating something is dependent upon what your resources are. So for this upcoming urban screen performance, my um, task was to do the opening. And uh, I looked at who do I have as my dancers? And that told me right away that they would not all be doing the same thing because their skill levels and their backgrounds were way different. And I didn't know what kind of story to tell. Mm -hmm. What's my urban legend, you know? And I thought, well, where am I? I'm in the Hall Center. That's my urban legend. Mm. Um, because our building is haunted. So why not talk about the haunting of the Hall Center? I did not know that. <laughs> you didn't know it was haunted? I think I've heard a story about a ghost. Definitely spirits in that building. It's yeah. right over the original fort. Okay. So a lot of people met their untimely grizzly deaths there centuries ago. And so I just pulled one of those stories out, and that's what's starting the show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to be a part of that piece. So that's the exciting part. I'm getting inside scoop here as I interview Miss mm -hmm. Liz. <laughs> and, again, you can check out this performance October 16th and 17th at the Fort Wayne Dance Collective. The Haunted Hall Center. <laughs> Pretty great. Whoa. I know Twyla Tharp, she wrote in one of her books about the creative process is that she starts a box, you know, and then that box, in that box, she puts whatever inspirations come to her, like it might be a poem or a picture or an object or something, and then... She keeps putting things in that box, and then something will begin to emerge from those things that she, but, you know, something tangible. Mm -hmm. Like something tangible for me would be, I, I have a file, and it yeah. has a title on it, and that's the piece of choreography that's starting, or, you know. And, and many times, uh, something I've started just goes nowhere. And, it uh -huh. just, and as I'm going through all my stuff, you know, from the last 37 years, I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember when I thought I was going to do something about that yeah. and then didn't. But there are, there are files and files and files of dances that were created and performed. And I, you know, I look at these files and go, oh, yeah, I remember that piece. Oh, yeah, I remember that piece. And, and a lot of satisfaction, mm -hmm. a lot of satisfaction. 
Now, what about performing for you? Because you perform, and you perform mm -hmm. often. Do you enjoy performing as much as creating, more than creating? Uh, performing is uh, very fun for me right now because of this. Um, my body feels really strong and expressive and uh, kind of new in a way because I've been... I've been studying this method called the Feldenkrais method, which works with the brain and the nervous system, which helps you uncover and discover new ways of moving that are more efficient. And so being immersed in this form for four years, I, I have come out of it going, oh my gosh, I am moving more easily than I was when I was 30. You know, it's... Um, so that makes performing very fun because it's like it's so much easier to move than it used to be, mm -hmm. which is sort of a nice little, it's kind of a little fountain of youth. And I feel like I've also, I've also in my, when I was in high school, I was a singer in a group of girls, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like a, what do you call them, you know, Acapella group, yeah, or just we, a little group. There were twelve of us. You okay. know, it was called the Debutees, and okay. we performed for, you know, Columbus Club and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. So uh, early on, I got a really good um, vocal education, and then I didn't sing for whatever reason until the dance collective started doing music together. Mm -hmm. And then I'm now teaching for Easter Seals, Easter Seals Arc, and I rediscovered how much I love to sing mm -hmm. and use my voice. So that also feels like a new discovery for me. And also um, there's, um, through, throughout my whole, you know, dancing life, I've always um, studied other places and mm -hmm. with other artists. And that's really important to really... You know, take three weeks out of your life, out of your summer, and go to California and study with some artist that has a particular niche. Mm -hmm. So one of those that I have done several times now is um, an artist named Ruth Zipporah, who teaches her own form of improvisation called action theater. Mm. And action theater is an opportunity to feel your voice and your sound and your language and your movement all coming from a particular source. And it is, I'm, I, I feel like I've been borrowing and kind of feeling that again. Um, mm -hmm. When I perform, I feel like those skills of talking and singing and moving are, are all uh, really integrated. Yeah. I think that when some time goes by, that I'll feel inspired to be creative again. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was so much a part of my job for so long mm -hmm. that it was like... Yeah, it almost takes the joy out of it when you have to do things, you know? That's, how, that's at least how yeah. I feel about being creative sometimes. If somebody needs me to create a piece, nope. <laughs> it's probably going to be terrible. <laughs> But if I just, you know, I'm feeling it oh, for no reason. Yeah, I, I know. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? I, I don't know. I don't know. Then you have to go, okay, well, what's stewing here? And then, 
that has some kind of relevance. Um, I mean, in the early days, we a major the majority of the, the pieces that we created was about what was happening around us. Mm -hmm. uh, it was about the women's movement. Mm -hmm. It was about nuclear weapons. It's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was about um, taking care of children. It was, you know, about current events. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that's a real important uh, role that arts play to, you know, bring up and, you know, show it to people in a different form, in a different light. I, personally for me, I just, yeah, I felt like we just, we just did this fundraiser and, you know, I was asked to do finale and just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. And this was for Love Struck at the yeah. Botanical Garden. <laughs> but it turned out so great. I, I had to like, I had to like go, okay, how many people, where is it? Yeah, and we had live music yeah. with the Hope Arthur Orchestra, yeah. which was fantastic. It was a great piece. It was very fun. We got to uh, utilize our surroundings, our benches, and it was, yeah, it was a fun piece. So we kind of talked about how your body is very willing to share right now. You feel new and inspired uh, by Feldenkrais method, but um, what about the emotional side of performing? Do you find that do you find it thrilling, terrifying, exhilarating? Maybe another word. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say exhilarating. Um, you know, I think, and I think that just comes from experience. You know, I remember being on stage at Indiana University, just being terrified. Mm -hmm. I had to be. I think I was in this piece where I think all I had to do was hold a shape on stage, <laughs> and I was shaking so much that I just kind of took myself <laughs> off the stage. Oh, I no. was just, ah. So I've, I've been through those terrifying moments of performing, and um, those are pretty much long gone. Um, you know, it doesn't phase me to get up in front of how many ever people and do whatever, as mm -hmm. long as I am prepared. Right. Preparation um, is key. Preparation is everything. So most recently... Other than the touring company, I mean, the performances that we do for schools, we have done so many times that it's like falling off a log, you know. It's like, and the people that perform with with me, and um, they're such amazing professionals in their own right that you know they're going to be there to save you if you <laughs> if you trip. I mean, I actually did fall down. To go at the very beginning of the show, I went up in the air and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I think I just fell down." <laughs> um, Did that just happen? <laughs> wow, well, I guess I'm supposed to act like it's supposed to happen. You know? Yeah. But I also do speeches these days, and um, people always say, "Wow, you didn't even use notes or anything," mm -hmm. and it's like, "No, but I practiced all day. Right? I practiced all day." And maybe even the last three days, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that that feels powerful to be able to get through that, and that's that's a skill that I've just worked on for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. But yeah, performing is uh, yeah, be prepared, be warmed up, know where you are. It's all good. It's all good <laughs> if you prepare. Yeah. So we talked about preparing. You know how important that is. How have you mentally prepared? 
yourself for the upcoming changes in your life. We've touched briefly on these changes, but tell us more about what's going on. Yes. So um, four years ago, I decided that I needed to change my life a bit. I don't believe uh, that it's called an exit strategy. Mm -hmm. As much as I love the Fort Wayne Dance Collective and has loved what I was doing, I felt a need to... I felt like the organization needed to grow in a different way that I just wasn't doing anymore. Um, and that I thought this would be a better way than having them carry me out on a stretcher <laughs> when I'm 92. So I had been interested in the Feldenkrais method for a long time and spent a couple of years researching how I was going to be able to do the training, uh, which is eight weeks a year for four years, uh, you know, take when I never even took a vacation, you know, mm -hmm. I hardly ever took a, vac a vacation, so how was I going to be away for eight weeks out of the year? So um, a board member helped me, she just said, just start tracking what you do every month, mm -hmm. and then we'll have an idea of what needs to happen when you're gone. So, yeah. so my coworkers, well, hats off to them mm -hmm. for helping me finish this um, training uh, in Seattle eight weeks a year for the last four years. And so a year ago, I started moving out of my office. And at first it was like, just there's so much in there. I just thought, just take one thing out a day. That's, yeah. you know, 365 days. So I, I followed that for a while, and then, you know, then it was, I couldn't exactly stay with that. But then moving towards that, the last... Uh, Last week of being, the last week of August being in that, getting out of that room. I mean, I was like, okay, this is happening. I had some moments of panic mm -hmm. and moments of great sadness mm -hmm. and grief for the position, as well as um, some moments of great joy uh, to to the you know to change, to uh, growth, new growth. Um, being really, like, scared, taking a leap of faith, saying to myself over and over again, it's going to be okay, and um, just, yeah. And I've, I've loved watching um, John Byrne, the new artistic director, uh, come in uh, gently mm -hmm. and respectfully and begin to immerse himself in... Um, a new role of, he feels very, I feel him very invested in the mission and in what's happening. And so I, I, I think it's a really good, it's a really good transformation um, that's carrying on the respect of the past and taking it into a new vibrant, yes, let's create some stuff, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, And so we're just discussing John and kind of fulfilling the mission of the Fort Wayne Dance Collective, which I'm sure has been your mission, uh, your personal mission for so many years. How has your personal mission changed? Do you find some of the same things that um, were your daily affirmations to be the same in your new line of work? Hmm. Well, certainly the idea of non-judgment 
uh, carries through to my new line of work when we work one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, we just see them as a human being that's doing the best that they can do. Mm -hmm. Students at the Fort Wayne Dance Collective, uh, again, always treated with the utmost respect and non-judgment for who they are as human beings, doing the best that they can. I, as, you know, a seventh grader starting in <laughs> ballet with, you know, little bitty kids um, and being given a chance, who knew? I mean, when I, I'm sure anybody that saw me dance as a seventh grader would never in a million years have thought that I would go on to become a professional <laughs> dancer and start a dance company. Right. No, no way. So when I look at kids sometimes, I think, who knows? They could grow up and become a famous dancer mm -hmm. of their in their own right. Yeah. You never know. So you just treat everyone like they're they're following their path, and you help them help them along with it. Mm -hmm. The Feldenkrais method, you know, part of Moshe Feldenkrais, the founder, created this method so that people could maintain their dignity. As, as human beings, so that they would stay moving. Um, it is a method that says movement or life without movement is unimaginable. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine not being able to move? Yeah. So with his method, he invites ease of movement, pleasure of movement, how to do it easier, how to do it without trying to be the best person in the room, just... You know, our own movement, Everyone, everyone's movement is so unique. It's like your own signature. No one moves. No two people move the same way. And so like in a dance class situation, you know, oftentimes it's like, you must move like this. Your arm must go like this. And you're like, well, not everybody moves like that, you know. Right. There, how many nerves are there in the body that make that go from the brain to our muscles and say, do it this way, there's mm -hmm. like, you know, thousands and thousands, and mm -hmm. not everybody's nervous system is going to move exactly the way. So right. instead, you celebrate the differences that you, yeah, that's a good way to do it. What's another way you could do mm -hmm. it? You know, let people explore their own physicality. It's so interesting, and it's really interesting from people like us who movement is just ingrained in us. Um, we come up with an idea, and how can you express it through movement? And I mean, I, I know I take movement for granted. Um, so it's great what you're doing. I hope that you're excited about it. I know it's a lot of change, but I think everybody at the collective is just appreciative for everything that you do and will continue to do, I'm sure, for us. <laughs> I, uh, I know that um, again, you'll be able to see the Halloween show on Friday and Saturday, October 16th and 17th, and I can guarantee you Liz will be there. I will be there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me. I know I learned a lot that I didn't know about you. I'm always learning a lot about you from you, and I'm hoping that our listeners who tuned into Art to Heart learned a little bit something, maybe heard something inspirational. Um, and I will leave today, sign off, 
with an inspirational quote from Martha Graham. I thought that was fitting given our guest today. And this quote is, There's only one of you in all time. This expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium, and it will be lost. And that's a wrap. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.